Welcome to the Subpodcast, the podcast that can help you grow greener thumbs. Subpod designed a revolutionary underground composting system, and we know a thing or two about gardening. My name's Noah. I'm Subpod's writer, and I'm a bit of a worm enthusiast. And I'm Peter. I'm a compost nerd with a background in environmental science. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited for this conversation. I've got epic gardener Kevin on the line here. Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I think all of our listeners really appreciate you because if you type something up on YouTube, gardening tip, something or other, your face pops up and you're (laughs) just a clear, uh, concise tutorial on how to do something in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to keep it as simple as possible, you know, make it easy for people. So Kevin, you've taken a month challenge of growing your own food and eating it. Can you please explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So just for some context, I don't grow in the same space that I did that challenge in anymore. I just recently moved. And so to set the scene a little bit, I was growing in a really urban environment. I was about a mile from downtown San Diego, California. So it's not the biggest city, but it's a very spread out city. So it's not like crazy downtown, but still pretty urban. And I had a front yard garden maybe 50 square meters worth of growing space, 75 at most, I would say. Uh, And it was mostly raised bed gardening. And so I said, you know, is it possible for me to live a month off of what I grow? But I also gave myself a couple other rules. So the rules of the challenge were 30 days. I have to live only off what I can grow fish for because San Diego's coastal. Uh, Mm -hmm. forage for locally or trade with other people. But if I traded, I could only trade them for fair market value. I couldn't trade them for like a pizza. I had to trade them for eggs. Like I traded five pounds of potatoes for two dozen eggs, for example, which was kind of a painful trade because as you'll learn in a second, I didn't have that many potatoes. Potatoes almost became my currency. And so the way it started was I had given myself 90 days lead time. Mm -hmm. And really in the world of gardening, 90 days is quite short. And so the question then is, well, what do you plant then if you have 90 days? And the answer pretty much is you have to grow calories. You can't afford to grow a lot of like nutrient dense stuff. And so what I ended up growing is in the world of calories, the potato reigns supreme because it's highly calorically dense, but also you can turn that crop around in about 90 to hundred or so days, which really you just can't with anything else. And so it was potatoes and beans that I planted most of. So when we got to June 1st of 2019, I pulled all the potatoes out and I saw how many I had. And so calorically, I had maybe enough to get me through about 20 days or so. I think we ended up at about 85 or 90 pounds out of that space. And so I had planted, I think, 20 pounds of potatoes and we got about four or five to one conversion, which is good for potatoes. You can get more, but that's pretty good. And so like I mentioned, you know, you can't really grow fat very fast at least. And Mm -hmm. it's harder to grow protein too. And beans is probably your best bet in a short time frame. So I said, okay, well, I don't have enough calories, even on raw carbs to make it through the month. So I'm going to have to get creative with these trades. And also I had the fishing and the foraging and stuff at play Mm -hmm. too. And so, you know, immediately I started trying to trade for eggs during that month, which is the reason I picked this month to do it in San Diego. And actually the whole California coast, there's something called a grunion run which is, it's a specific type of fish. They're not very long. They're like four or five inches long, okay. uh, but they spawn on the beach on oh. full moons. And so you're allowed to collect them in a very specific way. You can't like net them. You have to p- pick them up by hand and you can't use too many, all these rules. But 
I was like, okay, well, I'll get my protein and fats from those. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, there's my protein and fats. So I went out there. My cousin was doing the challenge with me. So we went out and it was like him, me, and a bunch of old Asian women because, you know, at least here in San Diego, Asian women love to go out, Asian men as well, to collect those fish. They're some of the, they're one of the few cultures that actually just will eat it. And I'm half Asian. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, So we would collect buckets of those fish and, you know, stay up late and, and, process them. And then those became trading ingredients as well. And so it had kind of morphed less from growing hundred percent of my own food into more of like how much of the local resources can I produce and accumulate and then trade out for things that I need. But it was really eye-opening experience. That is epic that you did that. That is <laughs> yeah. crazy. Have you ever heard of the potato diet before? I have. So I didn't know about it prior, but then someone else was like, oh yeah, you could just eat potatoes. And apparently the guy who did it lost like a hundred pounds or something like that. I'm actually a big fan of it. I've done it a few times now, just the three days. You've done the potato diet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my partner do it sometimes and it's apparently it's really good for the gut flora because the resistant starch starves out the bad bacteria and promotes good bacteria. Interesting. Well, I accidentally did it for probably five (laughs) days. The first five days, it was pretty much only potatoes. So well, you know, yeah, potato diet for me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anybody who's heard that just then would probably, I imagine, have their jaw dropped a little bit. They'd be able to grow your own food and put yourself to that challenge. It really changes your paradigm, I would think, because it's not as simple as going down to the shops and just grabbing a bag of Cheetos or some rice. Like we have it yeah. so easy. Yeah, I mean, the the way that I thought about it is, you know, in doing this challenge, I also accidentally stopped eating all gluten, all sugar, right. all caffeine, all dairy, and all uh, effectively all animal proteins except for fish. Yeah. And so it's by far the most restrictive diet I've ever been on. Um, and that was just a consequence of the rules. You know what I mean? But thinking about it, I was like, wow, one potato is 110 calories, 150 calories. 7-Eleven was up the street the whole time. I could have walked up yeah. there and bought some Reese's peanut butter cups. And for 99 cents, I get 250 calories. Wow. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you just start thinking about it through that lens and you're like, the level of abundance we have of certainly calories, but also just in general food is like insane compared mm. to trying to do it yourself. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. eye opening. I wanna jump into a little bit about your background because some people listening to that might be like, well, you know, you've got gardening experience. That's why you were able to do it. but when you started to get into gardening, like why did you start gardening in the first yeah. place? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have ever pegged myself that this would be what I was doing at 33, just turned 33. So I wouldn't have ever thought that. I mean, I grew up in Southern California here in San Diego. I was very nerdy as a kid. Like I read all the time. I was obsessed with like science and collecting rocks and coins and growing my own crystals and stuff. But for some reason had never gardened as a kid. I think the only time I grew something was in our primary school, you would germinate a bean Mm. for one of the experiments, you know, just classic, didn't think anything of it. And then I had gone to college and played online poker. Actually, I got really into online poker enough that I was able to actually pay for my schooling that way, Hmm. which was just kind of already put me on a little bit of a different path, you know, Mm. because I was studying accounting. So it was either that or be an accountant. And I was like, (laughs) this is obviously more fun than being an accountant to me. Sure. Some people love accounting out there, but Um, you know, it wasn't for me. So then when I graduated school, I kept playing poker for a little bit, but eventually quit because I just didn't want my life to go in that direction. I had nothing to fill it with. I had no other thing. And so the next best thing to, to poker is video games. It's very similar as far as a strategy perspective and you're still on the computer. So I fell pretty deep, I would say into video games, like 
playing StarCraft all the time or playing what, whatever was it, League of Legends at the time, mm-hmm. I think was a big game. It just wasn't a good, I was like, I might as well be playing poker. At least I'd be making money if I was still addicted to something, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, my brother was coming home from school that summer. And I, I, I remember it as my mom suggesting something. She said like, hey, you know, why don't you do something outside with your brother? Kind of as her way of like gently nudging me. So I think she kind of was like, what is this guy going to do after he, <laughs> with his life? <laughs> and so we started gardening. I just suggested a bunch of things and that's the one he chose. So we started wow. gardening and I grew, I think my first thing I ever really tried was hydroponically grown cucumbers, what? which is like pretty, I don't know yeah. why I decided with that. Cause that's goes against the advice I would advise today. I would say like, uh-huh. you know, pick a, a nice herb or leafy green that you would like and, and grow that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know something about it. The nerdiness of hydroponics maybe hooked me. And at that point I kind of, I've, I've never stopped growing in some fashion since then. So that's kind of the origin story. That's yeah. probably a good segue to talk about your book because you've talked about the nerdiness and the science and yeah, I'm a bit of a soil nerd myself. I studied environmental science and kind mm-hmm. of had a, a similar background to what you were saying. And I just, totally love the way that you've taken these concepts like photosynthesis and cation exchange rate and, and soil science and just really taken a little bit out of it and just present it in a way that's nice and malleable and, and mm-hmm. people can digest it. Cool. Yeah. Well, that was a goal. I mean, for me, there's certainly gardening is an interesting field because there's definitely, at least here in America, I see it as one of the few fields that actually connects political divide, which is really hard to do these days. Uh-huh. Because, you know, on the left side of things, you're going to get a sort of free-spirited, very in touch with nature, maybe a little bit mystical sort of approach to gardening sometimes, not all the time. And then on the right side, you're going to get the homesteaders, the people who are like, I want to be completely free and growing my food is part of that, you know? And so it is a field that sort of attracts everyone. And so I said, okay, well, I want to present things that are guaranteed to be true instead of like, going into these sort of mystical, you know, Mm -hmm. essential oils and these sorts of things. So I was like, okay, well, I need to explain the science of gardening and photosynthesis and all this, but I can't bore anyone because that's boring. We love it, you and I, but you got to write it in a way that that someone who doesn't love it is at the very least, they're like, oh, okay, that's how that works. You know what I mean? And so that was the goal there. Like there's a chapter in there about how plants use light and trying to explain, because if you know how they use light, at least at a cursory level, then you know what's going wrong with like half the questions that someone would ask me. Like, why is my seedling flopping over? Like, why is this looking, you know? So it's like, oh, it's because it's actually not getting enough photons. So I need to put the light closer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that was the goal with that. And and hopefully it's achieved the goal. (laughs) No, no, for sure. We've had so many people come onto the Subpod community recently. And a lot of people are asking similar questions that go back to photosynthesis or soil science which is really cool because everybody's new to this. But it's as you're saying, if you learn these little principles, then you can really just adapt that knowledge again and again. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Couldn't you. agree more. Because you got you to gotta have a success in the garden. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why would you grow again? And so the whole goal is like, get them past their first success. They'll get some wins under their belt. And then all of a sudden gardening, now, now they might even want to dig into the science. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and so that's kind of the goal with that. Yeah. Well, Phil Guard to Urban Gardening, if anybody's interested in checking that out. I think for you guys, it's on Booktopia. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to jump back to the word food security, because obviously that probably came up for you doing that one month challenge. Sure. Uh, And and we're talking about the Reese peanut butter cup versus the potatoes. So when I say the word food security, what story comes up for you? 
Well, I mean, I think prior to that challenge, probably I would think of like a doomsday prepper. Like we have a show here in America that's all yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not actually painted in the best light to be even conscious of it. Whereas, you know, we have life insurance, we have health insurance, we have car insurance. But really, if something really bad were to happen, what would those matter? They wouldn't matter pretty much at all. And what would matter is can you drink and eat? And also, are you protected, right? Like going way back to the basics. And so I would think about that as food security. And then on a more societal level, I guess you have the idea of, you know, who in a culture or in a location is food secure versus insecure? How much food do they have access to? What's the quality of that food? Is it palatable or is it just like complete garbage that technically has the calories like the Reese's, right? To keep someone alive and and not, you know, struggling, but, you know, they're becoming malnourished while at the same time, perhaps getting diabetes or becoming obese, right? And so the, these these counterintuitive ideas like that is, is would be like sort of the, the next level up, I guess I would think of. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Honestly, I felt like I've been in that position, that doomsday, like feeling very anxious about the future and our yeah. food. It kind of has been the theme during COVID, but out of that has grown some positivity, at least in what I've seen in the subpod community, some, some positivity there in, in growing food and it, empowerment sort of comes to mind and and perhaps you've seen that as well in your community yeah i mean the thing that's interesting about it is really if we break it down to the basics if you really do have enough to eat and you can grow it Mm -hmm. if you have enough to drink and you have a place to live effectively from a biological standpoint you actually don't need anything else and so there's nothing more secure than actually having all the resources you need to just continue living that's kind of like on maslow's hierarchy that's sort of the bottom And so if you can solve the bottom for yourself, you're effectively free. And at that point, when you're free, you can, you can then work on, you know, the, the higher level things that we want to be, you know, alive art and, you know, meaning and these sorts of things. But yeah, I mean, at at some point you do have to solve the basics, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are pondering that right now. And I guess that's why gardening has become such a, such a hot topic. Yeah, most definitely. If we think about what's going on now and then, what could occur in the future. We have a a lot of green thumbs growing right now. You could say a lot of people really enthusiastic about composting and growing food. Do you think that can better prepare us for the challenges ahead? Yeah, it's interesting because I think here in America, there's some stat where it's like 40% of first-time gardeners don't garden another year. Right. Um, And then this year, I think we had somewhere around like 16 to 20 million new gardeners on top of what the normal surge is, you know? because of the pandemic. And I've really been curious to see how that will play out because we won't know if this whole boom and surge was helpful until next season, until we see, you know, how many of those people actually garden a second time. I think it was interesting. So I was talking with a friend because it's, you know, it's hard to find gear for gardening sometimes, you know, whether it be soil or plants or whatever, because supply is just low. And so someone kind of made it, it was kind of a little snarky remark, but I, it made me think and they said, I'll oh, just wait till next year. It'll be flooding Facebook marketplace or it'll be flooding Craigslist or whatever, because <laughs> people have given up. And I was like, you know what, you're to some degree, you're probably right. There's going to be some stuff that, that hits those markets, but I hope it's not that much. And the reason why is because I hope people actually continue to grow. And why do you think people give up? Is it because they don't get that success? Like we we're talking before, yeah. like what's, I mean, I think let's just be honest. Like I think there's a, there's a sector of people who just are never going to want to do it. And that's just how life is, right? I mean, we don't have, even back in rural times, not 
necessarily not everyone was growing food or at least not at a hardcore scale. Uh I guess if you go all the way back into, you know, prehistoric times we're hunting, we're gathering, but some people just aren't going to want to do it, but maybe this year they did because they kind of were forced to do something at their house. And so I would really kind of discount that category. I would say fair play. It's not for you. No big deal. You know what I mean? But the more serious category, the ones I think that can be recouped would be the ones who just didn't have success or at least not success that they would have wanted, which is why, you know, it's half of why I'm doing what I'm doing is put it out there in plain English, have someone actually understand what's going wrong instead of, you know, growing basil, it turns yellow or aphids get it or whatever. And then they, they're just like, Hey, well, I guess I'm just bad at gardening. It's a weird thing because you wouldn't think that about any other skill set, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a carpenter or trying to be one and building a chair and you made the wrong cut or something like that, or you split the wood, you wouldn't be like, I guess I'm just bad at carpentry genetically, you know, Mm -hmm. but people kind of say that about gardening. They're like, Oh, I guess I just don't have a green thumb or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but no one did when we were born. It's not Mm -hmm. in, it's not actually in us. You know, that this was a human learned skill, you know, back in our evolution. It's not like we grew up growing potatoes. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we learned it and then we passed it down and you could think of someone like me or some of the stuff that you guys put out is that's just wisdom being passed down much like our parents would teach us something. So I think really it's just a lack of success is why people don't continue another year. What are some of the biggest problems that people have? I mean, the biggest few, there's probably three-ish big ones, I would say. So the first one is they're growing just simply the wrong plant. Right. at the wrong time. So you can grow the wrong plant in a lot of different ways. The, the most common way you, I see people grow the wrong plant is they, if it's your first year of gardening, you don't know that some plants do better in different times of year, right? And you have your spring crops and your summer crops and stuff. And so, you know, someone will start their tomatoes in August here in America, which is the end of our summer. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not going to work out that great for you because these prefer to have been started going into the summer, not going out of it. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have people doing that You'll have someone, you know, in the middle of summer trying to grow lettuce or kale, which just perform much better in the colder season. And so that's part of it. And then the other part of it, I think, is just mismanaging the setup. So like they use the wrong soil, they use the wrong container. It's not getting enough light. Just some of the basics of plant care that they they miss. Like if you miss light or miss watering, your plant's really going to suffer. And it does almost doesn't matter what else you do right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's time and time again, what I see is soil. Soil sort of puts under this blanket term of, of yeah. people just grabbing out the garden soil and, and then using it and and uh, yeah, not realizing that it's, yeah, living soil is, you can't see it, but maybe you could smell it. Maybe you could, you could uh, see the color and the texture and just those simple things make a huge difference. And if you put your mind as a plant, as, as roots that want to grow sure. into soil, it really starts, you start to break down. You're like, wait, no, there's the soil is, is quite a diverse thing. And sometimes it does make a big difference to just getting some manure and some compost and, and adding that to it. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think here with beginner gardeners, probably over, over where you guys are at as well. You just see someone buying random bagged mix from the, the big box store. And then, I mean, I'm not saying all bagged mixes are bad and in urban environments, they're sort of necessary because you're not like going out to the farm to get compost. But uh-huh. that being said, thinking about it more as like a, an act like woodworking or glassworking or something and less as, oh, I'm just actually creating an environment in which the plant already 
wants to do well because yes. a plant grows itself. It's not like you're actually growing a tomato. Yeah. The tomato is just growing itself. You just yeah. gave it what it needed to do that the best. Yes. Um, in a way, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of like parenting, you know, it's like, you're not like actually living the experience of your child. You're sort of just like shaping the child's environment in a way you think will help them. You know, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to, to wrap this up. Gardening is like parenting. That's a good way. <laughs> you plant, yeah. that's they call it plant babies for a reason, you know, <laughs> Kevin, where can people follow your story and like, how can they get involved with your yeah. mission to, to help people grow green thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's up in gardening. So, you know, if you want whatever medium you're on podcast, YouTube, et cetera, it's all Epic gardening. I did just recently purchase this house and I'm building out what I'm calling the Epic homestead. And so I did start a secondary YouTube channel and Instagram account to just kind of document that stuff that gets a little bit less into the gardening and more into like energy systems and water and, you know, kind of a little more of that. So that's called Epic Homesteading, but everything else is called Epic Gardening. And, you know, I'm on pretty much every platform. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Sub Podcast. Remember to share this episode with any curious composters you know if you enjoyed what we talked about today. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at hello at subpod.com. We'd love to include your questions in our episodes and give them the answers they really deserve. That's all for today, so we'll see you next episode.